Welcome, come on in. I'm Reverend Billy. This is Extinction Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about California wildfires. I'm thinking about all the people, people, experts, government people, measuring people, pilots flying overhead with their bubblegum colored flame retardant circling, dumping it down on us, and they go back. Lots of people working here. And of course, the firefighters. They are, well, they are serious. Can I use the word heroes? That's a, a, a misused word, but. And they come out after that dangerous heat off the slopes, and suddenly they have to talk about the experience they had. Why? Because a microphone shoved in their face by a bright eyed news guy from LA. I could have been an actor, but I wound up here. How was that? Uh, is it hot in there? Tell us about your experience. You know, there's something in disasters that we miss. And we don't notice, maybe we'll notice when we're burying one of these people that didn't make it out of the fire. Maybe then we'll look around and say, oh, there's something going on here. Yes, all the disasters around the world, which we are learning to monetize like ATM machines, but all of them, the starvation, the tornadoes, the hurricanes, the, the typhoons, the tsunamis, the heat waves, the droughts, the disease, every one of them shares something with all the others. We have to know, as Earth activists, what that thing is. If we don't know it, our activism won't be strong. Let's work on that today. Amen. Somebody give me an earth hallelujah. Earth hallelujah. Tonight, we've got, we've got unprecedented inflation, just for you. Crack, prosa, quaaludes, ginkgo, ginseng, melatonin, just for you. And for your personal pleasure, Robo Rangers riding missiles pointing at your heart. Narcocholos, pendencieros, samuráis, transformers y mojados. Todos contra todos, within and vice versa, taking turns to stalk your home. Your home. 
Channel 12 Televisión Amiga We'll be back, we'll be back Cansado estoy y cansado permanezco por los siglos de los siglos Let me lose Cansado estoy y cansado permanezco por los siglos de los siglos Let me lose Historia, histeria The border is open tonight Historia, histeria The border is open tonight What is that presence? Do you feel it? When we are inside a disaster, there's a feeling we have. A what is it? It's an intelligence, it's a spirit, it's a something. I wonder if it's in every disaster. Do you think? It moves across the surface of the earth, going from disaster to disaster to disaster, from typhoons to earthquakes to heat waves to viruses to glaciers to floods to wildfires. What is it? What's that thing? Right now we think we're escaping it. We're escaping certain death. We're running, running, getting away. But what do we leave behind? We know it's back there. It's still there. You know what I'm talking about. We all know what this is, but 
wonder if it's in the next disaster upcoming. As we run, we're going to come to another one. That's the time we're in. That's that's what it's, we're in the time of the sixth extinction. There's disasters all over the world all the time right now. Many dying, many living. You and I, we're escaping. We have that feeling in us. Even when we're not inside the disaster, we're inside this extinction. It's everywhere. We feel it. There's intelligence in it. We're breathing, running, flying. We're making new life. That's why extinction's such a bad word. That's why you and I, we got to keep talking and listening and talking and listening because there needs to be another word. Meanwhile, extinction. Extinction. Yeah, the mother of all disasters. Taking life, but setting us free into the soil and the water and the air. That's what the other five extinctions did. This is number six. Life got through everyone and not just got through, but survived, changed, radically changed so that it could live. Oh, we're on a wave of life right now. Extinction. Extinction. See you there. Hello. Welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. It appears a drone may have used machine learning and turned on humans autonomously for the first time. Last year in Libya, a Turkish-made autonomous weapon, the STM Cargo 2 drone, may have hunted down and remotely engaged retreating soldiers. The Cargo 2 signifies a new chapter in autonomous weapons, one in which they are used to fight and kill human beings based on artificial intelligence. The Cargo is a loitering drone that can use machine learning-based object classification to select and engage targets, with swarming capabilities and development to allow 20 drones to work together. The UN calls the Cargo 2 a lethal autonomous weapon. Tons of plastic pellets from a burning container ship swamped Sri Lanka's west coast Friday, prompting a ban on fishing as international efforts to salvage the vessel dragged into a ninth day. The government announced the fishing ban along a 50-mile coastal area, including Colombo, fearing contamination with pollutants and plastic waste from this stricken ship. Sri Lankan authorities deployed hundreds of security personnel in hazmat suits to clean the beaches of plastic waste and other debris. Officials said the vessel was known to carry 28 containers of pellets that are used as a raw material in the packaging industry. New data from the Trust for Public Land shows that in the 100 most populated U.S. cities, neighborhoods that are majority non-white have on average access to 44% less park acreage than majority white neighborhoods. Low-income communities have access to 42% less than high-income neighborhoods. It was a rough week for oil companies internationally. A court in the Netherlands ordered Royal Dutch Shell to dramatically cut its emissions over the next decade, a mandate it can likely only meet by dramatically changing its business model. A few hours later, 61% of shareholders at Chevron voted over management objections 
to demand that the company cut so-called Scope 3 emissions, which include emissions caused by its customers burning its products. Shortly afterward, ExxonMobil officials announced that shareholders had elected two dissident candidates to the company's board, both of whom pledged to push for climate action. Bayer Monsanto said it will evaluate whether to continue using the active ingredient glyphosate in its popular Roundup weed killer in the residential U.S. market in the wake of a court setback Wednesday in the company's effort to limit future liability over whether the product causes cancer. Bayer has said it would pay up to $9.6 billion to settle existing Roundup cases that tie the glyphosate-based product to non-Hodgkin lymphoma and another $2 billion towards future claims. The German company lost three trials between 2018 and 2019 brought by Roundup users who said the product caused their cancer. And the company is working to resolve around 125,000 similar claims. The company's attempt to resolve the future cases came in the form of a novel class action settlement, which sought to bind people who have used Roundup but aren't yet sick as well as Roundup users with cancer who haven't already sued. In a six-page order, U.S. District Judge Vince Cabria in San Francisco concluded that the proposal would benefit the company much more than Roundup users. He pointed to what he called glaring flaws, including that it offered few benefits for those who haven't yet gotten sick, while forcing them to give up substantial legal rights down the line. Vast tracts of land in Australia's New South Wales are being threatened by a mouse plague that the state government describes as absolutely unprecedented. The state's top agricultural association predicts the plague will wipe more than $1 billion Australian dollars from the value of the winter crop. The state has ordered 5,000 liters of the banned poison bromodialone from India. The federal government regulator has yet to approve emergency application to use the poison on the perimeters of crop. Critics fear the poison will kill not only mice, but also animals that feed on them. We're going down this path because we need something that is super strength, the equivalent of napalm to just blast these mice into oblivion. They're in the roof cavity of houses. If your house isn't sealed, they're in your bed with you. People are getting bitten in bed. It doesn't relent. Mouse carcasses and excrement in roofs are polluting farmers' water tanks, and the smell is unendurable. One farmer estimated he drowned 7,500 mice in a single night last week. For months, Turkish fishermen in the Sea of Marmara have been contending with a viscous substance known colloquially as sea snot, which is floating on the water's surface, clogging up nets and raising doubts about whether fish found in the inland sea would actually be safe to eat. Scientists say the unpleasant-looking mucus is not a new phenomenon, but rising water temperatures caused by global warming may be making it worse. Pollution, including agricultural and raw sewage runoff, is also to blame. High levels of nitrogen and phosphorus in the Sea of Marmara, situated between the Black and Aegean Seas, are leading to an explosion of the phytoplankton populations that discharge sea snot. Though the mucus itself is not necessarily harmful, it can become a host to toxic microorganisms and dangerous bacteria such as E. coli. And when it forms a layer that covers the water's surface, it can set off a harmful chain of events, preventing fish from being able to breathe, causing mass die-offs, which in turn leads to plummeting oxygen levels that choke other forms of marine life. More than 70 years after the last cheetahs were hunted to local extinction in India, eight are to be relocated from Namibia and South Africa to a national park in the north of the country. A genetic study of 840,000 people found that shifting sleep time earlier by just one hour decreases risk of major depression by 23%. 
Previous observational studies have shown that night owls are as much as twice as likely to suffer from depression as early risers, regardless of how long they sleep. The study definitely shifts the weight of evidence towards supporting a causal effect of sleep timing on depression. A team of researchers at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory have found that global evapotranspiration rose by 10% from 2003 to 2019. Evapotranspiration is the transfer of water from the ground to the air from both evaporation and transpiration, which is water emitted by plants. It is one of the main components of the planet's water cycle. Scientists have been predicting for several years that Earth's water cycle will gain energy as the planet heats up due to global warming. The eastern DR Congo city of Goma was eerily deserted after nearly 400,000 of its inhabitants fled, following warnings that nearby Mount Nyiragongo may erupt again. The authorities geared up for a major humanitarian effort centered on Sake, around 15 miles west of the city, where tens of thousands of people are gathered. Located on the shore of Lake Kivu, in the shadow of Africa's most active volcano, the city has lived in fear since Nyiragongo roared back into life last weekend. The stratovolcano spewed rivers of lava that claimed nearly three dozen lives and destroyed the homes of some 20,000 people before the eruption stopped. Scientists have since recorded hundreds of aftershocks. An analysis led by North Carolina State University found counties with more socially vulnerable populations had a higher density of natural gas pipelines overall. For the 2,261 counties with pipelines in them, researchers found a correlation between counties with a higher score of social vulnerability and the density of pipeline infrastructure. In general, the denser the pipeline network, the higher the social vulnerability score. The indication is that most vulnerable populations are also vulnerable to exploitation. And now, the sounds of extinction. The greater sage grouse has a long, pointed tail and legs with feathers to the toes. The adult male has a yellow patch over each eye, is grayish on top with a white breast, and has a dark brown throat and a black belly. Two yellowish sacks on the neck are inflated during courtship display. Greater sage grouse are notable for their elaborate courtship rituals. Each spring, males congregate in leks and perform a strutting display. Groups of females observe these displays and select the most attractive males with which to mate. The dominant male located in the center of the lek typically copulates with around 80% of the females on the lek. Males perform in leks for several hours in the early morning and evening during the spring. Males gather in leks to court, usually in late February to April. Only a few dominant males, usually two, breed. Sage-grouse mating behaviors are complex. After mating, the hen leaves the lek for the nesting grounds. Sage grouse lack a muscular gizzard and cannot grind and digest seeds. They must consume soft tissue foods. Apart from sagebrush, the adult diet consists largely of herbaceous leaves, yarrow, dandelion, wild lettuce. Greater sage grouse apparently do not require open water for day-to-day -day survival if succulent vegetation is available. The species, once abundant across the North American prairie and grasslands, is in tremendous decline due to habitat loss from commercial agriculture human development, and the gas and oil industry. And hear the sound of the greater sage-grouse.
vision. It's here. Oh, but I'm worried. I just don't know. extensively about the pupfish at Devil's Hole, uh, possibly the rarest fish in the world. Fascinating chapter of the book. For those of us who have not been, can you tell us about where Devil's Hole is and what is it about these tiny little fish that makes them so special and that has caused scientists to put so much energy into trying to save them? Sure, so the, so the Devil's Hole pupfish, um, which as you say, Tracy, is is believed to be, and I, I'm not sure there's even any competition for it, uh, the rarest fish in the world is a very small, like one inch long, very beautiful little iridescent blue fish. And how it got into Devil's Hole is, a, is I think, I, I, so one scientist describes it as like a beautiful enigma. Um, Devil's Hole itself is a, is a canyon, it's a little canyon, uh, and at the bottom of it, is this pool of water and it's a beautiful blue pool of water and it's 
connected, the pool is connected to this huge underground aquifer. And if you dive down into the pool, as, as these scientists regularly do, uh, we know that it's at least 500 feet deep. Um, no one, unfortunately, has ever touched bottom and, and lived to tell the story. There are, are literally bodies down there um, somewhere. Um, and the Devil's Hole pubfish lives only in Devil's Hole, only in this pool, and really only in the top layers of this pool. Um, under extremely difficult conditions, the water is really warm. It's heated ge geothermally. It's a, sort of a constant 93 degrees Fahrenheit, so very warm, very low oxygen. Most fish could not survive there. But the Devil's Hole pupfish somehow got into this pool and can only survive under these really intensely harsh conditions. And in the 60s, back in the 60s, people started pumping groundwater out of this aquifer and the level of the water started to fall and that caused the population to decline. And people have since the 60s been working and some of the things that were rigged up really are, you know, they're, they're comical almost, tragic comedy, you know, mm -hmm. they put up lights in the canyon, they've fed the fish, they created fake habitat for them, you know, in the canyon um, to try to preserve them. And when things got really bad down to really a handful of fish, we're talking like a couple dozen fish, the forest, the fish and wildlife built the fish a fake canyon to have a backup population. So there's now a completely fake devil's hole about a mile from the real devil's hole. Wow. Wow, indeed, that, that is Elizabeth Colbert. She's the author of Under a White Sky. And she was, was talking about pup fish from devil's hole. One of the chapters of that book will be singing at an event of Betsy Colbert's uh, at the Community Bookstore in Brooklyn next February. The Stop Shopping Choir will be singing its extinction songs. Amen. Another plug, two plugs in a row. This Sunday, join us at the long-form version of Extinction Talk Radio with your special guest, Douglas Rushkoff. That will be at 1 p.m. Sunday, RevBilly.com. RevBilly.com. And there's a donate button there, too, if you want to support our activism and our performances. So we'd like to thank Neil Young for featuring us on his website. We'd like to thank Pantheon Podcasts for distributing us to the podcast world. And just thank you to the Church of Stop Shopping for producing Extinction Talk Radio. This is Reverend Billy, earth -a -lou -ya. <laughs>